It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Welcome, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Chucky G and Karen Frazier. Good evening, Karen. How are you this evening? Good evening. I'm fine. Whoa, that was a really quick answer. Good evening. You're fine. Okay, that's good. We're going to talk like this all night. And I'm fine, too. Thank you very much. Um, yes, so the clip tones of a news announcer. <laughs> all night long. Wow, this is going to be how the show goes, folks. We're all in trouble. Anyways, um... It looks like we have a, a fill-in guest, right? Because we had a guest that, that couldn't make it. That's too bad. But we have a wonderful fill-in guest, Mr. Don Allison, who's the author of I Met a Ghost at Gettysburg, A Journalistic Journey into the Paranormal, because I guess he was a, a devout skeptic who has now joined the dark side. He with is the rest among of us. the converted. <laughs> he is among the converted. Did that That's sound good? Converted <laughs> sounds a little religious to me there for doing that. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be cool because I like to talk to people who had one viewpoint on it, and that, and then things just happened, so much has happened that now they have a different viewpoint. So it's very interesting. You like to talk to people. <laughs> you could have just left it there. It would have been fine. Well, yes, I like to talk to people. Thank God I'm a talk show host. See that? Talk show host. We, when we were in Wheeler, everybody knew within like five minutes, Chuck from Illinois, everybody in town. <laughs> Is or, now now you say it like that's a bad thing. Is that a bad thing? No, 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 no. I mean, you know, I went down to a little shop. It's like, oh, you're friends with Chuck from Illinois. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, seriously, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm a friendly dude. What can I tell you? I like to meet well, people. I'm very friendly. I'm a very curious I'm a dude. Bitch. I'm sorry. What? I said, you know me. I'm a bitch. <laughs> I am oh, friendly. Yeah, well, you know, I did go to the coffee shop and they go, "Oh, you're that, you're Chucky G. Oh, you're Chucky G. That's that bitch Karen over at Wheeler Hotel." <laughs> I'm like, "No, no, no. She's really nice. Trust me. No, they never said that because you're a sweetheart. You know you are." Because I had never been in that coffee shop before in my life, so how would I, they know me? I think it was just awesome that I got to meet you and I got to hug you. It was really nice. It was very nice. I just it was kind of cool. The out of me when you hugged me. <laughs> Well, that's how I hug. If I'm gonna hug, I'm going in for the hug. Okay, I'm not gonna go. Ee, ee. I hate when people. I hate when people when you hug them and their arms are at their side. It's like, what the hell is that? It's like, no, maybe I they're not hug. huggers. Well, whatever. How can you? How can you not be a hugger? Some people aren't. And here's the oh thing. Oh my god. Seriously. Here's go the ahead. thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. All right. Go ahead. So, so yeah. I don't mind hugging people, and I don't mind being hugged. But there are some people who aren't huggers, and there are some people who have very big personal space issues, and they don't want people in their personal space when they're uninvited. And I respect that. And so, but there are a lot of people who'd be like, I'm a hugger, and they'll hug people, mm -hmm. even people who clearly don't want to be hugged. And to me, that just feels um, rude because it's all about you wanting to hug rather than the person not wanting to be hugged. And therefore, I always try to read people's space issues, and I don't hug unless they seem to want to be hugged. I ask if I want, if it's okay to hug you. I'm like a PC I ask, hugger. I say, can I give you a hug? Because I did say that. Can I? And then Jim, can I give you a hug? You no. didn't ask if you could hug me. Yes, I did. No. Yes, I did ask you. And I said no, but you did anyway. <laughs> That's right. 
Because I'm a hugger. (laughs) (laughs) I say, screw you, man. I'm hugging. I don't care. You're just going to have to deal with it. It has nothing to do with me wanting to have control. I just like to hug people because people are cool. Okay? Just deal with it. I threw my vertebra through my lower back out, but it's okay. Oh, my God. I didn't. (laughs) Yes, I bent her spine with my hug. And then we had to just reiki it the whole weekend. That's because I'm a dainty, dainty flower. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, I hug and it's, it's nothing like I'm trying to get like in control or anything. I just like people, man. I'm sorry. No, I'm no, just, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's not that I'm not a hugger. It's that I respect uh, people's personal space. And I know that there are some people who do not like to be hugged. And therefore, oh. I wait for people to make the first move. Okay. So for anyone that I've ever hugged that had a personal space issue and they didn't tell me, I apologize. I didn't mean to make you feel self-conscious. It's not that. I'm just saying that I wait for people to make the first move. It's it's okay. (laughs) No, if you want to make me self-conscious, just call me Jethro. That always works really well. I've only called you Jethro once or twice. (laughs) Once or twice, yeah. Once was enough, thank you. I haven't called you Jethro recently. Thank you. I had completely forgotten that I called you that in the first place. I have not. I have not forgotten that. But look at Sleeves. You do. You have sleeves on tonight. I am very yeah. proud of you. And a, and a hat. So yes, I've learned. You know, but sleeves on too because it's been very, very. It's been very, very weird here in Western Washington. We have had in the last couple of days, yeah, rain, incredible hail, heavy, heavy winds, mm-hmm. flooding, um, thunder and lightning, and a tornado. Wow, that's yeah, uh, it's, it's been amazing. It was warm here today. It was like I went outside. I was like, what the heck? I mean, it's like, I mean, now it's a little cooler. That's why I'm kind of dressed the way I am. But it was warmer early during the day. And I was like, it's like, is it like spring? Not even fall. It was really weird. So I don't know. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's not like spring here. It's, um, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, other than the weather's super unstable, it's not like spring. We've just had lots of fronts coming in and, and going out. And so there's, there's lots of flooding throughout the region. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, as we were discussing, the old Wheeler Hotel is currently flooded because a dam broke in town. So, know, yeah. That's, that's terrible, man. It is. Well, I, I send them positive thoughts and energy, and hopefully everything will clear itself up. And, you know, I mean, Katie's a strong, strong lady, man. So, and she's um, a smart businesswoman, too. So, uh, you know, it'll be okay. All right. Well, um, hey, what do you say we get to that time, Cheryl? Oh, Cheryl? I forgot we did that. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's weird and things don't make any sense. It's news of the strange and the odd. Okay, here we go. I got some I have a couple um, holiday-themed ones in here, intermixed with a one about cloning, okay? So the first one I found very interesting, because I've seen this before in the news, but I wanted to read it. Uh, it was from Caitlin Murphy of abc6onyourside.com. Uh, zombie nativity spat. That's what it's called. <laughs> yes, a nativity scene set with I zombies. like the word spat. Spat. That's it what it is. A, S-P-A-T. A, a, an interesting accessory for your shoes. Or it can mm-hmm. be. Yeah. That's true. 
Um, so it says, for the second year in a row, Jason Dixon of Sycamore Township, Ohio, has dressed up baby Jesus, Mary Joseph, and the three wise men as zombies in a nativity scene in his front yard. And for the second year, Sycamore Township officials have told him to remove that display. Dixon brought it back and made improvements because it was such a hit. People like uh, Blaish Harsh have driven by to take a look. I like it. It looks cool, he said. But a few people find, found it offensive. Surprise. Township officials have told him, told him actually last year, to remove it because he didn't have a permit. I don't know if you have the permit for a zombie scene or something. So this year, Dixon said he worked with town officials when he applied. A day after he submitted the application, he received a letter saying his application was denied because the zoning code doesn't allow any accessory structures in the front yard. Seriously. Uh, Dixon's not buying it. I think it's the theme. It just rubs people the wrong way and puts the spotlight on me. That's why they're coming down so hard on me, Dixon said. Dixon could be fined $500 per day. He believes his zombie should stay for the holidays. It's not hurting anything, and it's here not even for a month, he said. He is considering an appeal. He has yet to receive a fine, but says he hasn't decided what he will do if he does. How's that for a... They're I'm discriminating just, against zombie lovers. Come on, man. Oh, you know, you know, if it was the a regular of Christmas. Well, yeah, I mean, how, it, you, you, from the dead, that kind of makes him sort of a zombie. Yeah. Heels just clicked off all across the interwebs. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, if you know, if it would have been a regular activity scene or rain beers, rain beers, rain beers, that's for the alcoholics, reindeers mm-hmm. and Santa. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have had a problem. They, there's no way they would have just said, no, you can't have a structure on your lawn. You know what I'm saying? But um, I don't know. I just find it pretty funny. Okay, the next one up. Here's the one I was talking about. This one's kind of creepy and interesting. Oh, China like cl- creepy and interesting. Yeah, okay, here you go. This comes from Rebecca Davis from news.discovery.com. China's cl- China clone factory scientists eyes human replication. Okay. Wait, wait, what? No, say that again. China clone factory scientists eyes human replication. Okay, got it. Got it? Okay. The man behind China's clone factory has suggested it should be now be possible to clone a human. Zhu Zhechun, the chief executive of Boya Life, which is currently building a large-scale cloning plant in the Chinese port of Tejing, maintains that the technology to create a human clone already exists and that the only reason it isn't happening now is because of the probability of a public backlash. Unfortunately, currently, the only way to have a child is to have to be, he's like the way he says it, half its mom and half its dad. Maybe in the future, you'll have three choices instead of one. You either have 50-50 or you have a choice of having the genetics 100% from daddy or 100% from mommy. Once the new facility opens its doors within the next seven months, it will create cloned cattle on a scale never seen before with over one million animals a year being produced by the year 2020. That is that correct. One million animals. Well, but they have a lot of people to feed in China. I guess. So I know. It says there's also plans to create cloned racehorses, police dogs, and many other animals. Boy Life's South Korean partner, Soyam, which is also working on cloning technology, is currently developing a way to bring back the mammoth by cloning cells from a specimen found in Siberia. 
There you go. So we're going to clone animals, and then we're going to clone, I guess, evidently mammoths, and we'll probably do some dinosaurs. Oh, my God. Jurassic Park is going to happen. Oh, my God. I can't believe they said in seven months they're going to start doing this and farming out tons of animals. Velociraptors, and you know what goes it. It's all over from there. I know because if we're, well, because they're talking about animals and all this stuff before the humans. So if they do the mammoths before the humans, and they do the dinosaurs before the humans, and then they start cloning us, we're just going to be f- food. We're going to be food for them. I think like it's wrong. Toilet green is green as people. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of really creepy because I mean, I I always believe they've had cloning technology for a long time and I do agree that they haven't done it because you know it just would just go I don't even know how the humanity would deal with it you know what I mean I'm sure it'd be like a half and half battle fight crazy nutty stuff happening so um, but so what do you think just because they start cloning millions of animals no one's going to complain about that because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of animal activists out there are not going to be too too satisfied with that don't you think with them cloning animals to what, like what, eat them what would you think about like cloning monkey you know having like about five monkeys that be all right? That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, there you have it. <laughs> there you have it. Some people would be just fine with that. So the last one I have for today is another holiday-themed one called Newspers- Newspaper Says Sorry for Santa Claus Obituary. That is correct. Someone killed Santa Claus off in the news. Okay, this is by Lee Morin from the HuffingtonPost.com. Don't worry, kids. Santa is not dead. But a newspaper in Norway is sure to be on this year's naughty list after accidentally published a fake obituary for Father Christmas. The hoax announcement in After Posting claimed St. Nick died at the age of 226 in the country's most northern point of Nordcap on December 3rd, the BBC reported. It also revealed his funeral will be held at the North Pole Chapel on December 28th, according to the Evening Standard. His birth date was given as December 12th, 1788, but no cause of death was stated. I'm it's guessing uncle- old age. I know. It's like it's unclear who created the pretend death notice or how it ended up in the publication's obituary page. It was later removed from the newspaper's website, Metro Reported. Norway's second largest newspaper later released a statement to apologize for the incident and said it was reviewing its internal procedures. After Posten has strict guidelines for both the content and use of symbols in our obituaries, the spokesman said. The ad is a violation of these and should never have been published. We will find out what has happened, he added. So there you go. Santa's not dead, folks. Don't freak out. It was just a goof in the... Well, it would have to be because it's not December 23rd yet. I know, Even man. the time difference between here and Norway, it still wouldn't, you know... Uh, Santa can't die. He's, uh, in, he's in the realm of the paranormal. Days until, like, that's only, there's only 15 days until Christmas. Yeah. I have a paycheck next week, and i got to cover all Christmas I presents. I have not I don't do that, a so. single gift yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know. I told my kids, I said, well, you know, dad's kind of broke this year. So, uh, you know, I'm going to cover the grandkids, of course, first. And then all the larger kids, you know, they might get like $25 gift certificates and go, well, there you go. I, I did something versus nothing. We draw names in my family with all of, cause all of oh. the grandkids. Even uh, now, all of the grandchildren are adults. And, yeah. in, in other words, my children. And we don't have that next generation yet. Mm-hmm. And so once they all turned 18, we started drawing names. And so we all have one gift to buy. I mean, that's I'm talking my extended family, like my parents and my sisters and, and their kids and my kids and stuff. So they all we all draw names and have one person. And then, of course, we buy for the kids. 
Yeah, we did that. That's how I used to do it when I was with Lisa. We do the KKK, as we call them, you know, and you just like pick names out of the hat. And then that was the person you had to, you know, and at first, like when we all lived close to each other, it would be like, that would be your person that you were going to deal with for Christmas. And like you'd start out like before Christmas time, you know, you know, like weeks before, you'd take a little present or something, go somewhere and hide it. They'd yeah. find it. You know what I mean? What's that? Like Secret Santa. Yeah, you know, exactly. So it was kind of cool that they'd do that like that. And then, um, it just kind of like kept winding down, winding down, and then nobody wanted like to point out that I, when we used to do Secret Santa, like when I was in college and early yes. in those place and stuff, I am an amazing Secret Santa. Why? Why are you an amazing Secret Santa? Because I'm really good at it. Oh. I'm good at getting gifts for people. I uh-huh. get lots of gifts for the person that I Secret Santa because I want it to be fun for them. Well, that's very nice. Well, yeah, yeah, it's Christmas. I'm uh I'm I'm usually a kind of a bah humburger on Christmas. I mean I like the family part of it, but the commercialism I'm kind of I kind of have an issue with a little bit. But you know it's it's I like the feeling of uh you know being close with everybody. Nobody seems to like get along for a little while. So you know what? Hey, far be it for me to like step on anybody's toes about that. Everybody gets along for a little while. Just Who's for a little while. Are you going to? Isn't family like Thanksgiving and Christmas? Aren't they super dysfunctional? With well, I'm not talking about families. I'm just talking about, you know, like even in retail, like when people come to the store, they're like, yeah, they're like, oh, and they're like, well, that guy was really nice. You see the guy yells at me every they're year. They're nice so. until you tell them happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas and they bite your head off. Yeah, I know. How dare you say that? It's like I say whatever the heck I'm I want. Say something kind. Really? I guess say up yours. Would that make you feel better? Up yours for the holidays. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. So, Karen, what's your favorite Christmas song? Because, I mean, I have to hear them all day long in retail, and I want to kill people by the time that gets to the end of the season. But do you have one? Favorite Christmas song. I have two. Okay. I like the Coventry Carol. Okay. And I like the Holly and the Ivy. Ooh, and I also like so. Bring a Torch, Jeanette Isabella. Oh, I never heard that one. It's French. Oh, okay. I'm more I of a jingle. I it for you, but I don't want to hurt people's ears. <laughs> I'm more of a Jingle Bell Rocks kind of guy. I just, for some yeah. reason, I love that. I, I love like, that. I like a little less well-known. But a lot of them are based on what I like to play on the piano, too. My favorite, though? My favorite. And my favorite, I do have a favorite Christmas movie, though. I don't watch lots of Christmas movies. There is one that I like to watch. Yeah, I don't think you've yeah, heard of it. Yeah. It's called The White Christmas. Ever oh. heard of it? Yes. I, of my favorite classic Christmas movies, I would have to say that I like um, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. And I also have to say that when my, when my son was little and the boys would watch the stuff on TV, I discovered just how horribly sexist Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is. That show is so <laughs> Way to bring it into the, the Christmas theme. Very, mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. No, I, I know. I, I, yeah, I like uh, It's a Wonderful Life, but I've just seen it so, I mean, I think I've seen it way more than I've seen White Christmas, but I just like that I'm dreaming of a White Christmas song, and it's just nice. I don't know. I just like it. It makes me feel all, because sometimes I like to go back to the old black and white movies and stuff. What? What's that? Oh yeah, I love old black and white movies. Mm-hmm. I do. I like a because I'm a I'm a big Cary Grant fan. So there you go. Oh, see, so my two favorite black and white movies are Roman Holiday. Oh yes. And some like it hot. Oh, oh my God! I love that movie. Isn't that I, the best? I, I have it on Blu-ray. I love that movie. 
movie. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, that's so awesome. Oh my god, that's such a funny movie. Yes, um, I'm a. I, I mean, I like you know, a lot of the Cary Grant stuff, but I am an Abbott and Costello fan, so I just crack up watching them. I have like all their their movies, so I like to watch them. I just, it just makes me laugh. I'm Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. I'm just kind of like that. That kind of a theme. Do you uh, like the old the old old stuff like Ernie Kovacs and and um, Harold Lloyd and some of that stuff? Yeah, I'll, some of that stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like, like all that stuff. Yeah, I love Ernie Kovacs. Yeah, I, I like yeah, I like a lot of that. I, it's just it's good once in a while because you get you know you're in all the new stuff, which I don't mind the new stuff, but every once in a while I just want to go back to because when I'm watching, I feel like a kid kind of you know because it's like yeah. I remember when I was a kid, you know, and I was little and I was watching this stuff on TV. So yeah, it was pretty cool. So. And- um, I feel like just watching straight up comedy, mm-hmm. I'll just put on Monty Python, anything, the oh. movies, the flying surf- circus, it doesn't Lumberja- Yeah, the lumberjack song, that's always good. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay, <laughs> I work all night and I sleep all day, I wear five. God, I love that show. I used to watch that show when I was a kid, it used to be on like 11 o'clock at night and I like channel 11, you know? I had the yeah. parrot to come up, whatever, yeah, I love that show. Oh, man. that's not a parrot, that parrot is dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that show. Yes. So, um, yeah, and the movies, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Come on, they're throwing sheep over the. That was just hilarious. Well, and what's really fun is ever get to go to the theater with Pamela. Oh, Carol turned on her microphone. That was close. Yep. Time. Now we have that snowy sound again. Happy holiday. Oh, and yeah. it's gone. Cheryl turned her microphone off. Did you have something to contribute? Cheryl, you can turn it on. <laughs> she's like, no, she's not going to contribute now because she's afraid. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Not going to do it. No. So I hope you guys are. Oh, so Tom, oh, my brother said Monty Python and the doc, and Doctor Who. Yes, Doctor Who. I have like only Tom seen Baker. a couple episodes of Doctor Who mm-hmm. ever. And the ones I saw, I liked. And like Tanner and Jim are both really super into it, and I suppose that I probably would love it if I watch it, but mm-hmm. I just don't have time for things like this in my life. Yeah, I know. Chad said, "Bad Santa." I try, I've tried to watch that movie. I can't. Well, and Patty said, "A Christmas Story," and I've got to tell you, there is some very there is some merit to a Christmas story. I watch it every year in that big pink bunny outfit and the mm-hmm. "You'll shoot your eye out, kid." Yeah, the B- Red Rider BBM. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah, Ralphie, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a. I was driving past the house the other day, and they had the leg lamp in the window. I drove by and oh, I go, "Oh, yeah, I got my dad one of those for Christmas one year. It's a it's did? a major award." Really? Yeah, it's a major award. That was his major award was the leg lamp. <laughs> Here you go, sir. And in honor of this, we're going to give you the leg lamp. That's nice. Yes, and she hated yeah, it and I, broke it. Well, it's better than get him the pink bunny outfit. That would have been embarrassing, huh? Mm, I don't know. I would like a pink bunny outfit. It would be warm to sleep in. <laughs> I, would go, I would go out in public in a pink bunny outfit. I Seriously, you would? You'd yeah. go... Well, you, just, you could go to Walmart. You'd fit right in with everybody else, so don't worry about it. No one even knows it. My Facebook, there's actually a picture of me somewhere on there wearing pink bunny ears. Seriously? I'm going to I'm gonna have to find that. It was my profile picture for a long time, so if you look at my profile pictures, you'll see it there. Okay, I'll check it. It's very attractive. So I suppose it's time to go to break now so we can get it's on with to go to break so that we can come back and talk to Don Allison, yeah. Some Gettysburg, and we're going to talk to... A skeptic turned believer, and we like that. Believer, yes. not believer, because it's not a just. All okay. right. So, uh, we'll- <laughs> yes. Go ahead, Karen. Okay, Cheryl. Take us out. Take us out right now, please. Oh, my God.
All right, I'll do it for you. This is you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark on the MixLR. We'll be right back with our guest Don Allison. We'll be right back. Bye. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at Paranormal UG, or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for FAST. F. Face drooping. A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T. Time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you've just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. So actually, I'm looking forward to talking to our guest tonight because he is the author of I Met a Ghost at Gettysburg, A Journalist's Journey into the Paranormal. Um, so welcome, Don. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on tonight. Not a problem. Um, I, I, I like, I find it really interesting when we have... Um, People on that have we start you start off as a skeptic, and then you have your own kind of uh, personal experiences, and then you kind of see that there might be a little bit more to uh, our universe and such around us than what you originally thought first uh, firsthand. Uh, but I'd I'd like to kind of go back a little bit. I mean, you're basically a journalist and a writer. Can you kind of give us a little background on yourself before we move into all the other stuff? Yeah, sure. I I guess I've always been a curious person. I've loved to write since I was a kid. I've you know, made my living as a newspaper editor, daily paper editor. I'm now semi-retired and doing some work with Civil War history publishing. But, yeah, I've just always been, I guess, kind of a, when it comes to my work, kind of straight-laced. I mean, I want to get the facts. I want to get the facts right. Mm-hmm. And, and when it came to the paranormal, I've never been really antagonistic. I just never really believed it. Okay. Um, well, and it was interesting because I was reading about you. Um, uh, your grandma used to talk all about the paranormal quite often. Isn't that correct? Yes. And the thing about her, she was one of the most straight-laced people. She was a Baptist minister's wife, Southern Baptist minister's wife. And she used to tell me when I was a kid about living in a haunted house in Louisiana. She mm-hmm. talked about um, having the covers pulled off of them while they slept. She talked about having someone sit on the edge of the mattress, leaving an imprint, with, but nobody was there. Um, she told me about waking up and seeing a man in older-style clothing standing at the end of the bed looking at them. Mm-hmm. And when he realized that she saw him, he just disappeared. 
And I used to think, well, Grandma, you either have an active imagination or maybe you ate something a little too spicy before you went to bed. Uh, <laughs> it just, uh, I mean, you know, I never told her that to her face, but I just thought, uh, you know, an active imagination or something. Right. Um, was that was that like the only, like, was that the only time you've ever heard about the paranormal through your grandma? Did, were there, well, did you have friends or anybody else that kind of talked about it? Yeah, I heard some things here and there, and I just, you know, like I said, never really paid much attention to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm, um, yeah, I've found that sometimes in my work, when things just come out of the blue at me, is when I get the most interested and decide to pursue it. And that's really what happened to me with the paranormal. I had some odd things happen to me that I really couldn't quite explain. Um, two of them, you know, I, I listened to your show last week when you had, um, you know, the, the author that worked with the animals. Mm-hmm. We had a parrot. He lived to be about 30, died of old age. We were extremely close to him. The night after he died earlier in the day, I woke up in the middle of the night hearing him screaming down, <clears throat> excuse me, in the room where his cage was. And this was just kind of blew my mind because at first I thought I was dreaming, but I was wide awake sitting there listening to this for like 30 seconds. Uh-huh. And I had no ex- no explanation whatsoever for that. Um, the same thing happened. We had a cocker spaniel that we had for years, a sweet dog, and the night after she died, we heard her at the door um, making her noise to get our attention that she needed to go outside. Mm-hmm. So how did... So, so how did you get into the, I mean, with, with Gettysburg and all, how did that, how, how did that come about? Well, um, to kind of set the stage for that, my yeah. wife and I purchased a very old house, um, one of the oldest in our county, dates to the 1830s. Um, we started restoring it and had just some strange things happen. Um, one of the first things we did, the house was in very rough shape. One of the first projects I undertook was to repair a portion of the front porch. Mm-hmm. And it took, oh, you know, an afternoon after work till about the time it's getting dark. Well, I went to leave, grabbed the, the brass doorknob of the, the wooden door, went to pull it shut, and it was pulled backwards out of my hand. And this is an easy door to move. I'm looking to see if it could have caught something and nothing. It just kind of left me wondering. Came back the next day and there was a pine cone right smack in the middle of the repaired portion of the porch upright. Um, Something had to place it there. I don't know why a person would do that. Mm Mm-hmm. But that just got me kind of thinking. So I was looking into, you know, the symbolism of pine cones, which, you know, the, the third eye, the spiritualism, kind of a welcome is another Victorian um, connotation. Mm-hmm. And things just kind of went from there. Just I would hear footsteps, um, was actually touched. Uh, my wife and I were working outside, and the gentleman who had rented the house for 20-some years saw us out there. He stopped by, and he comes up. He said, do you guys know this house is haunted? And I'm thinking, okay, this explains the half-empty booze bottles we're finding hidden around the house. Um, oh. I say that to him, but that was, my, <laughs> that was our thought. My wife right. and I both looked at each other and kind of rolled our eyes, and he proceeded to tell us things he experienced, footsteps, um, different things he would hear. 
And lo and behold, I was rather harsh on him because after a little while working at the house, getting it ready to move in, I experienced many of the things that he described. Mm-hmm. So, um, so okay. So you're 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 experiencing these things, and you you have the thought process of, you know, none of this is really real. You know what I mean? So how does your how does your mind take it from? How's your mind take it from being a skeptic and going, well, you know, I mean, didn't you try to go, well, it's probably just this and it's probably just that. Did you, did you go through that first? Okay. So I definitely went through that process. I'm thinking this can't be, this can't be happening. Um, I think some of it is probably residual haunts, footsteps and things like that. But other times there's intelligence behind it. And that's what really got my attention. Um, A good example is one night uh, we didn't have the power turned on to the house, the the wiring was pretty bad, so I was using a generator, and I was I had a radio playing, and every time that a louder, was a classic rock station, every time that a louder and a more rowdy song would come on, the radio would turn off. Okay. And, okay, this happened twice. Um, after the second time, I just, I was getting frustrated. I'd had some other experiences, and, and uh, I just spoke out loud and said, look, don't turn the radio off. I like this music. Leave the radio alone. Okay. Um, the song uh, Elton John, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, came on. The mm-hmm. generator outside turned off. Really? So it didn't mess with the radio. <laughs> and that one got my attention big time. I'm just, you know, I didn't know whether to laugh, shake my head, or whatever. But Right. Um, another one, um, I started then looking more into the paranormal at that point. Okay. And like, gee, okay, what are people really saying? There seems to be something to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the, the basement of the house um, at one point, and there's a door leading to the outdoors. I went to leave, and I just felt I had learned that when things happen, I would often feel the atmosphere change. Mm-hmm. And I felt that in the basement. And so just... I'd been watching taps on television, and I thought, okay. Um, so I said, hey, I'm getting ready to leave, but, but finish this. And I did the shave and a haircut thing, and I didn't get an answer. And I thought, well, I've been reading. It takes time to build up energy. So I waited about another 30 seconds and said, okay, I'll try it again. I got the two-tap finish. I heard something rustling across the way, and I heard footsteps go up the stairs. I think that was probably a moment that is okay. There's no doubting this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that's a tough leap to make, isn't it? I know that when when I had to, because I was kind of the same with you. Yeah, right. Ghosts aren't real. You know, I know people think they are, but they aren't until you have that definitive experience. And I used to think that definitive experience would have to be someone appearing in front of me, waving their arms, yelling "Woo, I'm a ghost," and then disappearing. <laughs> and that's never happened. And yet there are experiences that make it more definitive, aren't there? There definitely are. I have never seen an apparition beyond a semi-transparent shadow once. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually sitting pretty much where I am now. I have a a home office in one of the bedrooms, what once was one of the bedrooms of the house. I heard footsteps come down the hall. They stopped. I looked up. Nothing's there. I come back and sit down, and then the steps continued, came through the room, I saw nothing, but it cast a shadow on the wall and then walked into the next room and the steps stopped. And hmm. that's really the only thing I've ever seen. 
Yeah. Well, but you know, some people don't see things. I actually, I, there's a theory in parapsychology that I actually kind of believe, um, not kind of, that I actually believe, which is that the way that you perceive ghosts is uh, via how the types of psychic abilities you may be able to receive. So some, one person may see something where another person hears something or feels something. I think it's really interesting, though, that you walked in and you felt an atmosphere change because that's a very subtle, it doesn't feel subtle when you do it, walk into it, but it's a very non-tangible thing. And so, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's something that I've learned to tune into. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I still feel it from time to time. Um, we've, we're doing a lot less renovation. We're winding down, and it seems that as we're winding down, so do the uh, the occurrences at the house. Yeah, that's pretty common as well. I'm sure that since so, when did this all start? When did you when did you sort of start to make the switch? Well, we we bought the house like seven years ago. And it was shortly after I bought the house that it started getting my attention. But it probably took a good year to two years of just things happening. And I think it, when things started to be intelligent, when I started, and I think it was part me because I started trying to interact with it instead of ignoring it. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I discovered the intelligence part of it. And that's the part that won me over. Yeah, it'll do it, won't it? <laughs> Yeah, you can't replicate that. Things like a friend was over, so I had someone who experienced this as well. We were doing a drywall ceiling in our middle bedroom, which is part of the old part of the house. We have a part that dates to the 1860s, a little bit newer, a little different construction. Well, when we were done for the day, I had a T-square and a tape measure in my hand. I looked at my friend and said, as crooked as this house is, you know there's no way they had these when they built the place. I laid these two items on the shelf of my uh, stepladder. We left for the day. We came back the next morning, a Sunday morning. The T-square and the tape measure were exactly in the middle of the adjoining room in the newer part of the house. (laughs) That one played with our heads. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it funny how they also seem to have a... In my experience is, is that spirits are funny. <laughs> I, think, I, think they, I think they are. I once had my underwear snapped when I was <laughs> overworking. I mean, that's just plain funny. <laughs> oh, that's the stuff I love. Maybe not necessarily them snapping my underwear because that's... <laughs> but I, I kind of like the really... the stuff that's the kind of in-your-face but with a sense of humor. To me, that's, that's, the, that's the good stuff, you know? Yeah, like my generator turning off. Um, yeah. One time, my older son, who I think still is a skeptic, was helping me out, and I'd been telling him some of the stories, and I said, now, don't be surprised if the radio turns off, and he said, yeah, right, and so I turned the radio on downstairs, we're going upstairs, and the radio turned off. When we got halfway up the stairs, it did that three times, and he's like, well, okay, maybe there is something to this, and after the third time, I said, please leave the radio alone, and it did. But the radio will change stations, um, come on, turn off on its own. Uh, one time, my wife and I were working outside, and this is rather funny. The radio kept tuning to a Bowling Green State University men's basketball game. No matter what station we put it on, it would immediately change back to that station. Mm-hmm. So we just laughed and said, okay, we're going to listen to basketball for a while. <laughs> 
So was it like always like with the, with the radio, like it wasn't always the same thing or it would go back to the same station depending on the situation. It would change up is what you're saying. So it was exactly. never. Okay. Um, All right. Gotcha. Sports is kind of a common theme. For some reason, my radio, I would come in, um, you know, with no one living here, I'd come into the house and the radio would be on to a different station than what I'd listen to, but it would be a Cleveland Indians baseball game. That happened several <laughs> times. <laughs> so, if you have a fan, hey, get rid of those Indians. Yeah, really. You know? <laughs> so, you have a sports nut and a sports nut ghost in your house, you know, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, and it's, isn't it cool that they, that us as beings, when we leave this mortal shell of ours and become that energy again, we still have our sense of humor. I think that's yeah. just great. You know what I mean? I think and it's pretty funny. Me, I can't imagine an existence here, there, or anywhere without humor. <laughs> I it's agree. Pretty dull existence. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll still be messing around with people when I'm gone. So, um, What's your wife think about all of it? Um, she's pretty cool with it, actually. We're she's a pretty down to earth person, and mm-hmm. you know, we both find it rather amusing. I was gone over the weekend; she was here by herself and had one experience, and just kind of shrugged it off. So yeah, she's been great with it. Okay. Um, so, all right, I want to find out about this. I I, uh, I think we have some time for a break yesterday. Yeah. Um, the cemetery story with the when you're driving your car, and uh, I was reading some of your book. Oh. Um, can you kind of explain, you know, like preset that up and then just kind of explain what happened? I yeah, that was this, was, this was long before we purchased this house. I was mm-hmm. on my, my way home from covering a meeting for the newspaper. Right. On my way there earlier, I had noticed a dip in the road that I'd never noticed before. Kind of a car popped out of nowhere. I thought, wow, that's odd. I've driven this road hundreds of times. I never noticed that. Well, I'm coming home after the meeting. It's dark. I come around the curve at the cemetery, and I'm approaching this house that we now live in, mm-hmm. and I felt this urge to slow down. No voices, nothing. It's just I knew to slow down. I slowed down from probably 60 to maybe 30, 35, and a car was passing on that little hill, and had I not let my foot up off the gas, I probably would have had a head-on collision. I might not even be here. Wow. So, so, that, so what, 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 did you, what did you attribute that, that to? What was your thought I had, process? I had no clue. I was just flabbergasted. I just chalked it up as something that I could not explain. Mm-hmm. Now I have a much deeper appreciation and, I think, understanding of it. Okay. Well, you were so, meant to be at that house. Yeah, and it's funny because I'd watch this house slowly decay, and I always thought it was wonderful. It's just so, it's much different than any other house because there's really nothing this old around here. Yeah, I've always been interested in it, but that that connection was yeah something was definitely preordained or. Well, I think something was. It's to me, it sounds like something was calling to you. Um, partially because of the house, but also because of the house and, and the paranormal and what's going on is part of your path. And, you know, we always have uh, new starts in our life where no matter how old we are and no matter what's going on, and you say that you're semi-retired now, and, and now you have time to explore these things. And, and so I suspect it's part of the path that you're walking on, and you've been heading in this direction for a long time, whether you knew it or not. Just the mm-hmm. fact that you had the grandmother that you did and that you gave any kind of thought to the paranormal at all, whether it was, yeah, whatever grandma's nuts or, um, 
you know, the guy next door has been hiding booze around the house, things like that. It's still you thinking about the paranormal. And there are people who just don't ever think about it unless they watch one of those stupid paranormal activity movies or something. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to what you have to say is that, yeah, the timing of all this came shortly, you know, after my partial retirement. I was working on a Civil War book, not a book on the paranormal, and I had no intent of writing anything on the paranormal until after last spring my my grandson and I had had just what was to me some mind-blowing experiences. Well, we'll have to talk about those after the break, I think. But, yeah, it it kind of, you know, and I, I... don't like using this word because I, I think it's overused, but it's your destiny, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I've always kind of felt that there are things, yeah, that are just meant to be. Um, I guess I never really attributed that to the paranormal. I think things do really tie together. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and people always think the paranormal, it, there's a lot of tunnel vision when it comes to the paranormal because they think uh, paranormal is, automatically is just, it's just about spirits or ghosts or, you know, whatever. But it's such a, it's such a wide to me, range of... Spiritual topic. Yeah, it's a very wide wide range yeah. of things that can be happening. You know, I mean, from being sensitive to intuitive. I mean, there's all sorts of different factors you have to put in there. So uh, it's kind of cool that you have kind of seen that that's you know, like you started with. Oh, there's uh, you know paranormal activity, and now you know the thing with the car. And I was like, you know, it just keeps broadening and broadening for you. You know, I think that's yeah. Now you're writing about it and giving interviews about it. See. Here's what it is. A paranormal experience is kind of like the gateway drug. You're in it now. <laughs> yeah. And, and I have to say, um, it, it was a tough decision for me whether to actually tackle this as a topic. I'm one who, when I do something, I really pour myself into it. And it was like I really dragged my feet. But once I made the decision, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Yep. I, I get it. That the people have had the acceptance, the uh, reaction to the book has just been been incredible. Yeah, well, don't you find it's that, that isn't it? Is this is this unusual to you that you know you you you're a skeptic, and now you're not, and then you find out how many people really accept the the the, the facts that we're talking about. Yeah, and part of my I guess reticence for writing about it was you know here I am I've lived in this area my entire life my family's been here for generations and i thought gee what will people think if all i got it gee i had a conversation with a ghost Uh, yeah right Uh, i know (laughs) i've been through i've been very much of the same thing when i published my first book about the paranormal and i have to tell you when it was published and it was out there and that announcement was made i had momentary panic where i thought Holy crap, what have I just done? And it's been wonderful, but it was scary. So I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that was yeah. my reaction when I picked up my books from the printer, my first set, and <laughs> held one in my hand. Uh, my thought was pretty much along that same line. What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. What, is, what, what, will my, what are people going to say about me? And, I mean, and people accept it. And what I found that was so interesting, and I'm curious as if you have this experience, too, is um, I've written several paranormal titles now. And, and, of course, I do the show, and I write for the magazine and all of those things. And um, so people often take me aside when they meet me and find out what I do and, and kind of take me somewhere where they can whisper to me, you won't believe what happened to me. And they kind of look around and make sure nobody else hears. Uh-huh. Yeah, do you have that experience as well? A lot of that. I've been just amazed at the amount, you know, the numbers of those encounters I've had. 
and the, and people don't talk to, about it to other people or in I guess they don't talk about it in like I would say polite society. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but they'll talk about it to you because now they know that you're not somebody who's going to ridicule them. Mm-hmm. But that is, and it is you're exactly right. They don't do it in front of others. They wait till the crowd's <laughs> dissipated or they catch you somewhere. And do you have a minute? And, yep. Yeah. Well, welcome yeah. to the club. We uh, we get it. <laughs> Yeah, this is all kind of new to me, and it's been a, it's it's been a pretty amazing experience. That's great. Hey, we need to take a break, but when we come back, I want to start talking about um, because the subject of your book is is Gettysburg, and um, you've had some pretty profound experiences there. So, when we come back, uh, can we talk about that? Certainly. All right. Thank you. So stick around, everybody. You're listening to uh, Karen and Chuck. We're talking to Don Allison here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We'll be right back. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, the lovely Chucky G. No, Along with our talented Chucky G. Right, thank you. Along with our wonderful, wonderful guest, Mr. Don Ellison, who is a skeptic, has now turned to the dark side with the rest of us. Thank God. Hi, Don. Hello. <laughs> He's like, where's Chuck going with this now? Yeah, you can just, yeah, you figured me I out. We love skeptics who become believers. Mm, I think it's cool because at some point, most people all have that, right? I mean, go from one to the other. I mean, unless you're born believing in the paranormal. Well, we okay. say at, at South Sound Paranormal Research, yes. well, when I say we, I mean Patty, as you are probably well aware. Patty, yeah. There are two kinds of people in the world, those who've had a paranormal experience and those who have yet to have a paranormal experience. Oh. I've heard that quote, and I, I use that now when I have people who, who <laughs> kind of are poking a little fun or whatever, and it seems to disarm them a bit. Yep, it is inevitable. That's what we all believe. Well, it's it may funny not be you- in this lifetime, but... Well, it was funny when you guys were talking to how, you know, Karen, you were saying and, and, and Don about like, you know, when you, when someone comes up to you and wants to tell you a story, they wait till everybody kind of goes away, which is funny because when they're telling their story and everybody goes away, half those people that went away have a story anyways. And if they heard I it, know, they'd be like, I oh, oh yeah. They would share their yeah. own. Yeah. Well, and I think, other. I also, yeah, I think too, once you're aware of the paranormal, I think at least in my case, I think I've become much more sensitive to what's going on around me. And I think just a lot of stuff I missed before. Okay. Yeah, well, or easily explain away because some of it is incredibly subtle. 
What were you saying about your mom, Karen? You're saying what? Your mom? My mom has. My mother, who has for years just been poo-pooed it and, you know, is kind of embarrassed <laughs> that I do this and, yeah. and all of that. She has a paranormal story. Oh, now. well, look at that. Yeah. Do, do, do. Yeah, I like that when people go, oh, you people are crazy. And it's like, yeah, just wait. You'll find out we're not crazy. So... So um, I know you wanted to, you want did you want to have him to start talking about Gettysburg because he said something about his um, grandson some crazy well, like you said you had some pretty pretty profound experiences yeah. at Gettysburg so uh, you know we're waiting tell us bring it on John okay. well actually the the first time I had paranormal experiences at Gettysburg was a few years ago my wife actually she and I went there on our honeymoon years ago and we returned. And we had the oddest experience um, at the Alabama Monument at Gettysburg. The first time it happened, I knew that I had ancestors who fought in Alabama units in the war. My mom's from Alabama. But I had no clue that there were any at Gettysburg. We turn on to Confederate Avenue, approaching the Alabama Monument. The song Sweet Home Alabama came on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think, okay, you know, that's odd. I didn't think much of it, but I got out to take a picture of the monument, and my camera turned off. This was a perfectly fine camera, fresh batteries. Every time I pressed the shutter, the camera would turn off. Okay. So we got back in the van. We drive around to Little Round Top a little ways away, which is where the Alabama troops attacked the 20th Maine there. I climb up the hill to get a picture of the 20th Main Monument, and again, my camera would turn off every time I press the shutter. The odd part is I could turn and look down the hill and take any picture I wanted. I could not take that Union Monument. And that continued until we got out of that area. I could not take a picture of any Union Monument. The camera would turn off, but I could take other pictures. That played with my head. By then, we owned the house, so I was kind of keyed into things. Now, fast forward this spring, my grandson and I uh, were in Gettysburg. Um, Our second experience, but I'll start with that first because it ties in. Since I'd been to Gettysburg the last time, I had researched and found out that my great-great-grandfather, Frank Champion, was in the 15th Alabama that attacked Little Round Top. I had three great-great-great-uncles, the last name of Jarvis, in the 47th Alabama, which was on their flank, also attacking Little Round Top. So my grandson and I go to the Alabama Monument. This time I play the song Sweet Home Alabama on a CD, and I read the names of my family members off while my grandson took photos as fast as he could. Um, He took 15 photos. Three of them had orbs. No two in a row. These weren't dust, you know, orbs or anything like that. I'm also a professional photographer. I I can recognize these things, just three pictures with orbs. We then got in the van, drove back to the base of Little Round Top, right where our family members were charging Little Round Top. Um, we stopped the van. My grandson rolls down the window, takes five pictures as fast as he can with his camera. The first one had eight orbs, including one that even had a tail like a comet coming in at us. The next one, or he took five altogether. The next four were kind of an orangish-yellowish blob in the lower left of the of the photo frame, getting larger as the pictures progressed. Could not see it with the naked eye, but it was visible on his digital camera. 
that being right where my family fought there, that that one was got my attention to say the least. Well, yeah. So, I, so, uh, do you believe in coincidence still? Um, that's just too much to be <laughs> two different trips to that spot with the family connection. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's just no way. Right. See, that's how, that's how it all connects, you know, when you just go from one thing to the next. Now you're like, I don't know about coincidence anymore now because it's just not really making any sense, you know. It's just, it's a, it's like a whole new way of thinking, you know. The, and the really, that wasn't even the most incredible thing that happened to us there. Okay. The most incredible one, um, as a journalist in Gettysburg, and on our trip there, I was not intending to pursue the paranormal. We're into history. My grandson's into history. He was 14 at the time of the trip. Mm-hmm. But I saw as a journalist registered there that we were entitled to a free ghost investigation. I thought, mm-hmm. well, this ought to be interesting. And, and Connor, my grandson, says, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do it. So we did. So I'm told, well, we're going to Saks Covered Bridge. Well, I was oh, I've heard under, about that place. <laughs> I was underwhelmed with this choice. I wanted to be on the battlefield or a haunted building. There was a hospital or something, but I didn't really know the history of the place. Um, it turns out it was probably one of the worst places ever at Gettysburg. It's where the Confederates left their most badly wounded people when they retreated. Um, you know, including Union prisoners would have been part of that as well. But so we go to Saks Bridge and we pick out our equipment. We used a spirit box. Um, the official name, you know, the product name escapes me, but I, you guys, I'm sure, are familiar, scans the radio stations to provide. Right. The- yeah, we just call it ghost box or spirit box. Yeah. And we we had that. We had um, all of the laser grids. We had K2 meters. Um, One thing that I regret very much ever Uh since is we had the opportunity to take either a video or audio recorder. Right. And we thought, now we've got our hands full. We don't need those. That was (laughs) not a wise choice on my part. But this was to be a two-hour investigation. We were on the bridge. We go across the bridge to a field that was a hospital. We got very little in the way of reaction. You know, we tried the flashlight trick, you know, turn on the light, nothing. One answer we did get in that field is our investigator said, can you tell us what color coat one of us is wearing? And we got a clear blue, and I did have on a blue coat. Hmm. Yeah, okay, that was kind of cool, but that was about it. So the investigation, for all intents and purposes, is over. We're on the bridge, and all of a sudden we start getting some answers on the spirit box. Um, The investigator says, how how many of you are with us? And we get a seven, Um. eight, nine, thinking, okay, and um, this we were done. The investigation was just wrapping up. She'd even gone to the car and started to torm it up. It was a cool evening. But we started asking more questions. Like She asked, uh, can you tell us your name? And it was like we could make out the middle syllable. There were three syllables. It was like a um, on was very clear. And then uh, and she said, can you enunciate more clearly? And you could actually hear the strain in this voice trying to get the name, but that's the best we could make out. Um, she asked, can you tell us how old you are? And we didn't get anything right away, so I said, I said, well, what unit were you in? 
thinking it may be a soldier. Well, immediately got a 20. Well, I don't think it was answering me. I think it was an answer to her age question. And twice more, very plainly, it's a 20. 20, and then captain. Hmm. Okay. So um, I started asking, well, what state are you from? And we couldn't make it out. So I started rattling off states and didn't get anything. When I said Ohio, and that's where I'm from, we got a very clear, polite, yes, sir. Oh. I, said, I said, oh, my grandson and I are from Ohio, and all three of us had K2 meters. Mine and my grandson's both rose to the highest level, stayed there for about three seconds, and dropped simultaneously. The third one, the one the investigator had, didn't budge. Well, that's pretty cool. And at this point, I'm kind of thinking, okay, I think, how in the world is, you know, are they faking this? I don't know how. Uh-huh. So I thought, do you like jokes? I'm in tune with Civil War soldiers. I like to write about the, the common soldiers. I know humor is a great part of it. And I said, do you like jokes? <clears throat> he says, yes, sir. And then I said, do you like music? And it was almost like the inflection was like I'd insulted him. He said, of course. And here's where my grandson really was on top of things. He said, can you play for us? And as clear as a bell, we got the answer, absolutely. And then we got guitar music. Oh. Mandolin music kicked in. This went on for maybe 10 minutes. It finally started to fade. And I said, I said wow, you're good. And he says very politely, thank you. I said, can you play some more? And he said, yes, sir. And this time, harmonica music joined in with the other two instruments, again, for about 10 minutes. Wow. And, I mean, I'm just blown away. I was like like a kid in a candy store, just, you know, here I'm a historian, and I'm talking to somebody from the Civil War. Uh, that's one thing I forgot to mention. Um, the investigator earlier on asked the year, and we got in the answer, 1863. Which could be consistent. Yes, was the Battle of Gettysburg was in July of 63. Um, the, the kind of downer of the evening was when she asked, were you hurt? And we got this blood-curdling man's scream of sheer anguish just sent chills down my spine. And then a woman crying after that. Hmm. And that, that kind of almost ended it. I think the investigator asked her how many of you are still with us, and then we got like a 6-7 answer, and then things faded out. By then, another group was at the far end of the bridge, and we heard them start to get results, so we left. But my initial intent was to try to, okay, how is this a fraud? And I talked to a number of paranormal researchers, read into the literature how these machines work, I looked into the history of it. There were seven Ohio captains who were killed or mortally wounded at Gettysburg. One of them was Malon Briggs. He was mortally wounded. He was shot on the first day, fell into Confederate hands, and died on July 3rd. Could very well have died at that bridge. Um, I'm not saying that that's who we talked to, but everything matched. The others didn't match up as well as that did. You know, that's one of the things, you said something that that I love hearing you say, because I think one of the things that a lot of people 
explore more about the adventure of, of uh, paranormal investigation fail to appreciate and that's that you're meeting up with history and you're having conversations and having communication with people who have experienced firsthand these things that we have studied and that are important parts of history. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, I just, in, in you know, retrospect, I firmly believe that we were communicating with what the spirit of someone who was there. Just if someone f- was faking that, if you even could with that machine, they had the just the nuances of the soldiers and how the soldiers talk, the response, the type of music, the instrumentation, everything was just in key with everything that I've I've read and known. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's actually like I say, it's, it's an overlooked aspect, but it's a fascinating to me anyway. I I I think everybody should be into the paranormal, if not for the ghost stuff, then for the history stuff. Yeah, and and the other thing of it, I guess now that I'm I'm into it, I'm really surprised that the research um, that there's not more, you know, you know, I guess bright scientific minds delving into this topic more so than they do. Um, I read a book published in 1860 by a man much like me who was converted uh, into spiritualism at the time because of his personal experience. And what he presented is pretty much the same theories we're looking at today. It's just maybe we know a little more about the science, but we really haven't progressed very far in 150-some years. Nope. And, you know, it is a scientific fact. Whether we have proven it as a scientific fact or not, the very fact that it exists and that these things happen prove Mm -hmm. that there's some science behind it. We just don't know what that science is. But that doesn't mean it's not scientific. Mm-hmm. That's my exact take, that the superstition and the fear gets in the way. It is science. I mean, super, uh, you look at ancient cultures, and uh, a solar eclipse would send them, you know, into abject yeah. fear. Now we gather out to look at them, we know what they're all about, or a rainbow. You know, that's it's an odd thing when you think about it, but solid science behind it, I think the energy we leave behind or even can project outside of our bodies from what I've seen now while we're still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's, so how, how do you feel now you've taken all this in, you know, you had these really profound experiences. Um, so where do you go from here with that stuff? You know, what do you, what do you do? Do you just keep writing about it? Do you want to do more investigating on it? I mean, or both or what? Yeah, how does it fit into your path now, now that you're on the path? I'm I'm really kind of sorting that all all out. I definitely will do some more writing. I haven't figured out exactly what. I'm not a scientist. I'd love to, if I could in some way, stimulate discussion, stimulate serious talk Mm -hmm. into research. I think maybe that's where I could do the most good. If getting people talking can get our some of our brightest minds looking at this, I think it's, I think there are treasures to be uncovered. Right. So as a journalist, because journalist brings a very specific skill set, um, how, how does that fit into it? Um, and how does being a journalist affect perhaps how you would look at it and, and analyze these experiences versus, you know, how 
you know, just some hapless person who stumbled upon this stuff would. Well, I think that it's kind of a two-part thing. One, I use the same standards that I would if I were covering a murder case or an errant politician. You know, I want the proof. I want to present, you know, the facts, back them up, get several sources to back up. The other thing is the fact that I'm a journalist, people, I think, tend to take me seriously. Like people who may brush it off and wait, here's a newspaper editor saying this. Wait a minute. I've, I've seen that reaction too. Yeah, yeah, there is some gravitas with your position, isn't there? Yeah, and I feel grateful for that. Maybe, you know, I think it, it opens some doors that maybe wouldn't be open to other people. Or we just have to work harder to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but really. Yeah, I'm, I, I definitely am not done looking into, um, I have not done really much in the way of ghost investigation. Mm-hmm. I've been on exactly one. I've seen many on TV. I've read about many. I'd like to experience more of that side of it, too. Right. Well, yeah, I'm a paranormal investigator. That's why I was asking because, you know, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I, uh, I'm an observer. I observe and participate, which is a science also. It's not a scientist, yeah, but it I, is science. You know what I mean? I so, agree. You know, so, I mean, by collecting, we're trying to see the, the repetition and collecting the data and, you know, writing down the experiences and stuff like that. Plus, I mean, I just find it fascinating just that I can intelligently speak with people that aren't here anymore, connect with people that aren't here anymore, learn from them, get their humor, the emotion. I find it to be totally fascinating. Yeah, and that's my my single experience in a conversation. That's exactly how I felt. It was one Mm -hmm. of the most exhilarating things I've ever done. Yeah, I think that's why most of us uh, in the paranormal field do it because, you know, there's lots of times. Yeah, that's why it keeps coming back. And sometimes, you know, there's like eight hours of dead air. (laughs) You know what it does? So if you haven't done a lot of investigating, what it it truly does is that it it sustains you through those investigations where there's truly nothing going on. Yeah, yeah, because then you can talk about, you remember the investigation before? We had a lot of people talking. (laughs) Yeah, so you know, but I mean, it is it is fascinating, and I and I, I think um, you know uh, the I know a lot of people have their differences about equipment and such, but I think equipment's coming along slowly. Everything's coming along slowly. They're trying to understand it better. They're trying to uh, then you know put it to use in ways that maybe might be more u- utilizing equipment more that's more kind of tuned to what we think might be happening. I mean, we don't really know. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to make something for something you don't understand, you know what I mean? But you can try to, like, I liked, like, when Kara said the same that. thing, yeah. I liked, the, I liked what, what, when Kara was pointing out, too, because to me, that environmental statement is very important because you do, I mean, that's the major change in when you're getting activity is the environment uh, around you. That just, Big time, yeah. I mean, you it are changes, your own- you know? You, I tell people this all the time. You are your own biggest tool. Now, that sounds bad. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you say it like that. I'm sorry, Don. She just called you a tool. I'm so sorry. Hey, hey that's, I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, though. It is. I mean, that's true. Your, your, your body, who you are when you step into that room, you're, you know, you're if you're just like, you know, we always talk, if you're staring at your equipment, you're missing everything that's going on around you. So you need to walk into that environment with the mindset that I'm going to see how it feels first and then take it from there and then say, okay, now I can pull some equipment. I'll see if I can capture 
what I just felt, what's happening in the environment, and write it down. And you know, it's very, it's important to log and all that. Imagine if you are a journalist, which you are. So it's not. Oh my god! And then you you go into um, some place that you're reporting on. Say it's a murder trial, and during that murder trial, you spend the whole time looking at an EMF meter. <laughs> like I'll, I'll be honest, the most to me the most compelling piece of evidence that I ever saw was even beyond my conversation with the ghost of Gettysburg, because I had an energy go through me here in my house once. Ooh, yeah, that's cool. Um, I you think, like that? I, and I think we have a clue who the ghost may be. The fellow who lived here before called him Uncle John. Um, his bedroom has since been turned into a bathroom. Uh-huh. And I was putting a toilet. I put, picked up a toilet, carried it into that room, and all of a sudden things started stirring and, like, stomping around, and the energy came through the door and came through my body. And what did that feel like? It was, I won't say unpleasant, it was very electrifying, maybe is the best word. It yeah. It was shuddering. It was like, yeah. whoa, did that just happen? Yeah. Yeah. But to me, that's as much evidence as any piece of equipment could ever give. The only difference is I can't share that with someone beyond describing it. Right. Well, I will suggest to you that Uncle John, with his, his knowledge of radio and love of sports, is probably a fairly modern spirit. Yeah, he died in the 40s, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. And, and, and that would be why he does the sports on the radio and all of that stuff, because he's, you know, he's from then. He, he knows this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever tried to do, like, you know, if, if you're thinking that it might be him, uh, you know, you, you talked about the radio with the sports. Have you ever tried to, to use something to elicit response, like, you know, to play music from the 40s, but something he might like, instead of having him control the radio like you kind of set the tone, you know? Have you ever tried doing any of that yet? Um, I have not. I've had a couple other people suggest that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I should try some EVPs. I've never even done that here. In a way, yeah. it's kind of like we coexist, and I don't want to really stir anything up, but yet I'm also curious. Well, so here's, here's what I would suggest to you, Don, um, and we tell our clients this all of the time, is that if you would like to coexist peacefully, I wouldn't try to communicate with him because once he figures that door is open, he's going to be doing it all the time. <laughs> I've heard that or read that as well. but and, and I know there are things here. I've never seen anything, but another people have. My grandson on two occasions saw an old farmer in overalls and a hat and a white shirt outside. Mm-hmm. Another woman had told me and described that very same figure that she saw by a tree, but my grandson would never heard that story. Was he bald with glasses? No. Okay. Hmm. Okay, because no, I just, as you were talking about it, I, as, before you said overalls, I saw a dude in overalls and a hat, but that's what you would think a farmer would be in anyway, so. Well, I won't say that he wasn't bald because both people described him as wearing a hat. Right. Like a, a, a big-brimmed hat. Right. And another two guys were delivering. This is the summer, and it's in my book. Two um, delivery men were bringing a clothes washer in, and as they're taking out the old one, one of the delivery men was at the foot of our main staircase, and all of a sudden he kind of flipped out, and he said, uh, uh, excuse me, can I ask a question? 
And I said, what? He said, are we alone? I said, well, yeah. I said, did you hear something? Because workers tend to stir up the sounds. He said, no, I saw something. And I'm majorly creeping out right now. I thought he was going <laughs> to run. And I, either that or defecate himself. I didn't know, but I calmed him down. I want my washer. Don't leave. But he described a little girl um, with brown curly hair who stepped out from the middle bedroom into the main hallway, looked at him a while, and then walked back into the room. He described her as wearing an old-fashioned dress. It sounded to me like either sleepwear or perhaps um, a play dress, and he mm -hmm. said it was dirty. The odd part is what we hear upstairs, and I even hear it in that middle bedroom, which is where my wife and I sleep, is what I've always thought sounded like a little girl's footsteps. I even envisioned in my mind before this a little girl in an old-fashioned, like, sleep dress which I found oh. rather odd. <laughs> or, or maybe not so odd. some of these things. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've lived in the house for quite a while now, and so it would make sense that you would be tuned into the energies of the house um, to some extent, and you might be able to recognize things now that you couldn't before without even openly attempting communication. I would suggest to you that you, you probably have some form of, of intuitive abilities because you're so clearly able to perceive some of these things. And that, that's kind of interesting. And yeah, I, I kind of, I really, I can say I enjoy it. At first, I couldn't say that, but now I'm starting to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It takes a while. <laughs> so do you have, like, um, where you're at as far as your home's located and stuff? I mean, are there neighbors around you? Does anybody else talk about things that happen in your same area or no? Not really. The closest house is, like, a quarter mile away. And I've really not heard um, of anything around the area. Now, there's a woman who was friends with the um, with the boys who grew up here. And she had described different things. She described the farmer I talked about. She said she had seen a younger woman, looked to be in her 20s in like 1800s dress. Okay. Um, with a young boy that apparently she was connected with. They were together. And he uh -huh. was in the, in the old-fashioned dress. So, Have you ever looked into like the history of those particular people to see if they matched to... Um, Yes, I, I've looked in, and the, the house say, dates to 1835. A number of people have died here. Um, I know that a young woman who would match the period um, you know, would have died about the time that the dress that the woman described would have matched. Um, I looked into the little girl apparition, and I could find nothing that matched a girl of that age that would have lived here. Mm -hmm. But there's a girl who died of what sounded like a horrible case of bone cancer, but oh. this was her grandparents' house, and she died at about the age that matched what this man described. So maybe this mm -hmm. was a place that was special to her, and that is her. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Grandma and grandma's, grandpa's house is often special to kids. Mm -hmm. so, I so think my grandson loves this place. Uh, he, he loves being here. How does he, he feel about all the activity? He was really cool with things. He gets a little bit nervous if he spends the night. But like <laughs> with, the, with the Gettysburg thing, he was perfectly cool. The only time he got freaked out, oh, and one of the things that the 
the apparent soldier at Saks Bridge when the investigator said, can you call one of us by name? The ghost said, Connor. Oh. He kind of shuddered, but he was uh, cool. But, how old is he? But when we were at uh, Little Round Top and he took the pictures of, you know, that I described of the mist, yeah. that freaked him out. He rolled the window up and said, Grandpa, let's get out of here. And also what I didn't mention is my camera would not work at that point. Oh. Um, and I kept trying, and I finally got it to take one picture. I said, okay, we'll leave. So as we're driving away, I joked with Connor. I said, you know, rolling up a window is not going to stop a ghost. That's He'd right. Laugh. He just laughed and said, I know, but it made me feel better. (laughs) Chuck and I were driving down the Oregon coast a couple weeks ago, and there's a legend where there's a ghost that gets into people's cars. What did I do, Chuck? Oh, my God. Every time we drive by, lock your doors, lock your doors, Jim. Jim, lock the doors. We don't want the guy getting in here. I think he could get in through the locked door. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure he could just pop into the back seat if he wants to pop into the back seat. I know. So how how old is Connor? He uh, just turned 15. He's a freshman in high school now. Oh, yeah. He's so he that was, my, my kids, when they were that age and a little younger, loved the ghost stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yeah, so does he share with his friends? His, um, his... Yeah. Okay. He, he does, and he... He was pretty cool, and of course, he's in the book. Um, since I didn't record that whole incident with... Uh, with the ghost at Saks Bridge, mm-hmm. immediately we talked about it at the hotel room. I wrote down everything uh, with his help. He reviewed it, he added some things I'd forgotten, and then the investigator also reviewed it and and uh, you know added her perception. So yeah. Yeah, uh, he's pretty excited about it, actually. Hey, I got a teenager, and I was like, "Yeah, let's tell my friends." You know what I mean? So yeah, um, that's great. My son, my son was excited for a while. And then for a while, he wanted to be normal when he was in high school. And so he sort of wouldn't talk about it much. And he wouldn't tell his friends, except for the really close ones who would come over and want to meet his weird ghost hunter mom. And then <laughs> as, soon as, he, as soon as he got back into college, man, now he's, he's cool with it again. That's <laughs> so. cool. And I, I like the where you're, is it interesting how you, when you want the camera to work, it doesn't work? You know what I mean? When you want to capture what you're trying to capture sometimes because i had that happen we went i went to uh common yeah i went to resurrection cemetery and they said it was during the day and they said if you go in the mausoleum sometimes your camera work work i'm like yeah whatever you know so i'm taking pictures outside we're in there because it's during the day i said let's go in there and let's try so we go in there and with my buddy jamie and then i go in there and i start and it won't i'm like are you kidding me i'm like this gotta be something so i'm messing with it flipping batteries around putting new batteries in it so it won't work so i'm like it's got to be the camera it broke so we get out and i you know we did some more stuff i forgot about we got out we get in the car and he goes hey try your camera just see if it works and so i hit it and it's going G G G G i'm like are you kidding me seriously well, when yeah, your that's... camera takes its own pictures that's the one that always gets me is <laughs> your camera just starts taking pictures on its own it's like okay. yeah <laughs> I, I've not had that, but here in my office where I'm sitting now, I have a touchscreen computer that will often just start going bonkers and, and uh, yeah, programs just open. And I'll tell that to stop, and it does. Yeah. What's weird is I'll let my parrot play with it sometimes if I'm on the other computer, and it's exactly the same thing as when he just starts hitting buttons. You know, he yeah. knows something will happen if he hits that button. That's pretty awesome. You know, I record that one these days, you know, when it starts going wacko, just give me the, give me the video camera and put it on there. So, but, uh, yeah. It'd be interesting though, is, uh, just take your camera 
I know they turn off automatically on their own, but too bad because I would take a camera and just leave it out. You could even get like one of those little Instamatic or those little uh, like vacation cameras, film cameras. Uh-huh. Do they even still sell those? Yeah, yeah I think it's they possible. do. And just leave it out and say, okay, well, I'm going to leave this here if you want to play with it and take some pictures and see what happens. Yeah, actually, mm. I still have a, a film camera somewhere here that I could try that with. Yeah. That, that actually would be a cool idea to see if you like it. Like when they, when, those, when they had that case of the automatic writing on the film. and yeah. I mean, that would be kind of a cool idea to see what happens. you got to well, do that, Don, so we can find out what's going on. I actually have yeah. a camera that I use sometimes on um, on investigations. But the other one that, that I always think is kind of an interesting one to do is, you know that metal pin art where you like you stick your hand in it, it's all the little pins and you stick your yes. hand in it. Oh, it leaves the impression. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Leave that out and tell him to stick his face in there so you can see Oh, it. you know what? And that's funny you brought that up because that works because we have one of those at my house. And, you know, my house has, you know, a couple of spirits in there. And uh, we, we that's what Sean did. He put that out. And actually, we wound up getting an impression on there. We were, like, totally freaking out. Because it, we said, we're going to leave this here. If you, you just push on it. And we showed them. You know, and then we then we set it out and we made sure we documented. Okay, it's fine. We walked to come back like an hour later, and there's like this impression. It looked like I have a couple of fingers like pushing in on it. Yeah, I, was totally I did that with the haunted dolls too. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I'm have to get one of those. They still, got all they... sorts of ideas for you that you can do. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I especially like the idea of the thing with the pins. That would be interesting. Yeah. yeah, that was that was kind of cool, you know, because it was like I didn't think, you know, like, yeah, whatever, Sean, it's not going to work. And then, um, sure enough, it, it did. So, Yeah, or you could even leave it. Likes, go yeah, ahead. We have one that likes to smack things, so I, that's where maybe this pen <laughs> would be a good thing to. Yeah, that would be cool. A smacking ghost. Those are always fun, aren't they? <laughs> Walking by, smacking you in the butt. Hey, hey, easy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we have well, I, my house. It's called my husband. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've tried the bell. You know, you get one of those. You know, like the bells they have on the uh, in the hotels at the desk. You know, I always bring one of those with because I still want to hear that thing ring. Sometimes it's like, well, if you have enough energy to do this, I mean, all you gotta do is tap it lightly, and it'll ring. You know, and I've heard other people use it, and it's worked. I've tried it, and it has not. It has not worked. You know, so because I like to do a lot of old school, like use a compass. And put that down when things start to happen. See if the compass starts to spin. You know, see if there's any uh, of a magnetic disturb- disturbance in there too, besides electrical. You know, because I always find that that kind of com- uh, that kind of comes along with what's happening in the uh, the environment also. See, Don, you didn't know you're coming for all of our low tech ghost ideas, did mm-hmm. you? Actually, I'm 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 loving this. I'm kind of an old school guy. I still have an eight track player in my truck. So. <laughs> <laughs> you Are you serious? Wow! <laughs> I remember eight-track players. I was like, uh, I was like seven or eight. My best friend's dad had one. We would mm. listen to Queens, A Night at the Opera, on it. Oh, great, great music! Yeah, right? Still one hey, of my favorite albums today. We used to do the old K two. You know, when they have the K twos now. You used to do the old one where you know, remember in in science class you take the light bulb and you make the little switch and it just like all it has to do is you know you flip it and it contacts it and lights it. So you just put the we submit we had one on a board with a light. Um, this was a long time ago when I used to uh, go investigating. My buddy came up with the idea, and I'm like, "That's kind of cool idea." And then we put the thing, and then if it would like say tap, just tap it, and it would touch, you know, make the contact, and it would light the light up. So that was kind of like the old style K two. So stuff, all sorts of stuff you can do. Uh huh. If you if you just kind of want to figure out what's going on there, it might be kind of fun. But like yeah. I say, if you communicate, they will continue. <laughs> 
Yes, they will. So, so you never know. Hey, right. I just looked at the time. Oh my gosh, it's time for shameless self promotion. Don't right. we're we're oh, okay. at shameless self promotion corner where you get to shamelessly self promote. <laughs> All right. Well I, I I guess I'll I'll take that cue and you can get I met a ghost at Gettysburg at the usual spots. Of course it's on Amazon, you know, bookstores, Barnes and Noble. And if you'd like a signed copy, you can go to www.imetaghost.com and order it, and I will sign the copy for you. There you go. How was that website never taken until you came on? I was shocked that that was available. (laughs) I had like three or four in mind, and I'll try this, and son of a gun, it was available. Look at that. It was meant to be, Don. It, It had to be. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have given a one in a thousand shot of getting it when I tried it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just another in a long string of coincidences that are leading you down this path. Welcome to the new weird world you live in. Yes. (laughs) Where you get to interact with people like us. Aren't you lucky? Oh, this has been a blast. Uh, (laughs) I have enjoyed this very much. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So, um... If you if you you know come out with a new book and you pursue this further, stay in touch. Let us know what you're doing. We'd love to have you back on and and you know talk about new stuff that you do. Yeah, that'd be yeah, cool. I, I appreciate that. Like I said, I'm still exploring where to go. I know I'm going somewhere. I'm just not sure where yet. I'll go with it. I yeah. bet that when it's time for you to go there, it will become abundantly clear. There you go. Well said, Karen. Well Thanks. said. Well, so Don Allison, author of I Met a Ghost at Gettysburg, thank you for coming on. It's been a fascinating conversation. And, hey, welcome to the club. Yeah, thanks, Don. Thank you. Thank you. You have a great night. You too. All right. Good night. All right. So so are we supposed to take over now and say what's going on with the magazine? Cheryl Cheryl said that she's not going to turn on her microphone because she was staticky. You want to hear? (laughs) We were apparently not as nice as we could have been about it. Go figure. So um, uh, I'm looking now. I'm looking okay. now for uh, our I'll, next guest. I can sing. I'm dreaming of a white I should have had this ready. All right. Okay. Next week, December. Oh, and I knew this. I didn't. Oh, you scared me. Why did you, why'd you do I that? We're enthusiastic. I'll modulate oh, okay. my voice. I have a vocal modulation. <sighs> okay. All right. So next week, which is December 17th, our good friend, Robin Marie, who is a a psychic life coach and ordained minister and just all around great gal is going to be coming on the show. And here's what's fun with Robin Marie. She makes predictions each year. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting. We can check in with her and see what has come true this year. Okay. And what she predicts for next year. And um, she also does something that's really cool, and we haven't talked about it in a while. It's called photo scrying, where she looks at photos of places and she can see the spirit activity that's going on there. What? I never heard of that, ever. Never heard of that. Photo scrying. You heard see, it you here. So, so let me understand it. So you, you just take a regular picture of something, hmm? and then she can look at it and see uh-huh. this, the spirit Well, activity. think about it. So, like... It, it makes sense if you look at other things like psychometry where you can take an object and you can read the energy yeah, from the object. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be able to read energy from just, just from an image? I and suppose. like Karen last week was saying, not me, Karen, um, yes. psychic, pet psychic, well, not psychic, Karen, that would not even clarify. Pet psychic, <laughs> Karen, okay. was saying that um, 
she all she needs when she does the readings on the phone for the pets is a picture of the pet. Yeah, I find it interesting because, you know, like, like psychometry, you're touching something that actually belonged to a person or something that you're trying to read to versus mm-hmm. like a picture or just a photo, which is an image of that, but not exactly. But there are, some, there are some populations that believe that when you take a photograph, you capture oh, part of their soul. I know. Yeah. Sometimes you get put in a little, a little tub thing and then they cook you up and for doing that kind of stuff. So you don't want to do that. The tribes, you know, the tribesmen, yeah, they'll eat you. No, I think cannibalism <laughs> is fairly rare. Oh, unless, you think so, huh? Unless the movie Soylent Green is people. <laughs> or, um, you know, we start talking about zombies again. So, yeah. Yes. And so Cheryl is working madly on the December issue of Paranormal Underground Magazine. Cheryl, do you, I just turn it on for a second and tell us when you think it might come out. Here we go. Will work. All right. It's oh, all good and staticky. No. <laughs> oh, no. You're fine. You're Woo. awesome. Okay. Woohoo! I'm yeah. excited right now. Um, well, real quickly, thanks to Don Allison for joining us. Um, by the way, I recommend his and book. And at the last minute, at by the way. At the last minute, thank you. Um, yeah, make sure to go to imetaghost.com and get his book, or I, I think it's on Amazon as well. You can get it there. Um, I read it, and it's it's really, really interesting. And like, like uh, Don said, it's... Uh, he not only covered his experiences, but the history behind it. He researched it really well, so it was uh, pr- pretty interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah. N- um, next week. Oh, you're asking me about the magazine. Yes, we're working on our December issue. Um, I'm hoping that it's going to be out prior to Christmas, so before December 25th. Because so that week between the 25th and and New Year's Day is always nuts. It's party week. Yeah. So check paranormalunderground.net and it could be up there. All righty. And also, I would like to point out that in the coming weeks, we will be taking some time off. We are taking a little hiatus, (sighs) but it's not because we don't love you, our listeners. You are very important to us and we would like to keep you entertained. However, December 24th is Christmas Eve and I'm not going to be around. I know I'm going to be with the uh, my parents, I, the grandparents, the GPs as the kids call them, or PB&J because their names are John and Brenda. Um, oh. And uh, then on December 31st, well, I plan to be drunk. So, you know, I don't know what the rest of you are doing, but <laughs> I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. I'm sure Christmas Eve I'm trying to work it out where I get the I can hang with the with Ben and Rachel like those you know those two because I'm I'll be here with Chris and everybody else. I'm sure on Christmas I'll do something and I'll be actually be able to do it because the store is closed so they won't be able to make me work. So but and then New Year's Eve I don't know what I'm going to do. I, mean, I usually have like a beer or two when I go out to drink, but I don't know if I'm going to get drunk. So I'm not I'm really sure what I'm going to do. I won't be drunk because as you know I drink very little. <laughs> so yeah. I have about a drink a month or less. I'm I'm one of those really <laughs> exciting people. Yes, but I'm not. a cheap date. Whoa. Well, okay. Okay. But I, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'll have to figure out. I have to figure out something to do. I mean, it's New Year's Eve, right? You know. Right. So it, as I'm saying, um, one more week we're here until Christmas. That's with mm-hmm. Robin Marie next week. The normal right. time we're off. The following two weeks. We are back on January 7th, and we are going to be talking to Dan LaFave, who is the founder of Graveyard Shift Paranormal Investigations. And I think Cheryl also has some, um, I I, I may be wrong, but I think Cheryl has some fun guests lined up after the first of the year, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have got, I mean, we're already booking up through, through almost to spring now. So we've got some, 
We've got psychic mediums. Oh. We have paranormal investigators. Uh, we have musicians who are psychic mediums. Uh, we have authors of really interesting books. Just it's just crazy. It's good stuff. I can't wait to talk to everybody. Man, we're like booking up that much. We're that popular. People want to talk. Woo! I like the one you said musician that was it musician psychic or musician musician psychic. Yeah, and you want to well I'll tell you who it is. It's Sonny Robinson. He's drummer with Twisted Roots out of Portland, Maine. And well, he's, he's probably also, a better musician than me. He's also known as the rock and roll <laughs> psychic. So that's January 28th. Rock and roll. Yes. Ooh, yeah. So we should like you should try to get some of his music, music so we could play it. Bumper. Yeah, on yeah. the break, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that for sure. I'll yep. ask. When go. we say we, we of course mean you, our producer. <laughs> yeah, because we don't do anything except talk and. I well, Jack you know. does research, and so he's well informed, and I just show up and you know write everybody's tail feathers. And evidently, my nose was a little whistly, wasn't it? Was it whistly? down with a cold i think i am usually yeah times i had to mute to either sneeze or cough i suspect i'm coming down with a cold well tom 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 sent me a message he said hey i think you're breathing heavy in the mic but it was weird because the mic was like all the way like here and i was sitting all the way back i'm like your nose was I, whistling i said my nose was whistling but i don't think i was breathing heavy because no one else heard it and i didn't hear it and i'm, I'm like really far away from the mic so i'm like i don't really it, know it's just going. i think you're coming down with cold i think you're a little congested or something yeah, well, you know. We're both coming the- down with a cold. We haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks, so I didn't give it to you, and you didn't no. give it to me. Welcome to winter. Well, Rachel came over today, and she's like, I'm oh, getting, oh, getting sick. I'm like, oh, great. Thank you. Thanks for coming over. Now I got it. So that's all right. You know, it's the season. Oh, I, I know. That? Well, the kid's coming home. He was home at Thanksgiving, and he had that bug that the choir brought back from Spain. Yeah, yeah, the so, Spanish bug. And I didn't get that. I was I made it through the the Spain the Spanish flu or whatever it is that they brought back from Spain. Well, I, all I have to say is, you know what? If I'm on the show and I'm going, <laughs> uh, you know what? You're just going to deal with me because at least I'm here trying to entertain you. Hey Chuck, there's a new invention. It's called the mute button. You should give that a try. I- <laughs> wow, Kitty has. Well, you don't think I use the mute button when I burp? No, or I do. <laughs> Yes. Wow. Okay. This will be the last show for Chucky e. G on uh, Paranormal Underground. Ooh. Oh, that would be so sad. <laughs> oh, ouch. I'm done. They're picking on me, folks. I can't Wait, take it. I'm going to go. No, no, I do. I, I use it. No, I use the mute button, but we you know when I'm talking, I have to breathe. It's just this crazy thing. When I'm talking, breathe. I don't know, but I have to friggin' breathe. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Go like this, go. So, Buzz. Don, Buzz. You know, hey, Buzz. So you know, you know how I like talk a lot and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I forget to breathe when I'm talking. I know. Well, you know, and I'll be like, "Oh my God, I'm running out of." Only <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> oh, hear that happen right in the middle of what I'm saying. I'm sorry, that was my co-host. You, I've you got really good at being subtle about it, though, because uh, remember, I'm also an, a musician and I play the flute, and that requires a lot of air, and so. I can talk for a long time without taking a breath, but then sometimes I just, it's like I forget to pee, I also forget to breathe, and sometimes, like today, I forgot to eat. Well, remember this, ladies. You have the it's dog. amazing that, I'm still alive. You have the dog that barks. You over there have the <laughs> mic, so, you know, don't pick on my mute button, okay? I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Carol, true. do you feel like Jack is a little defensive this evening? No, I am not. 
talking about? <laughs> you know what I think it is? It's you work retail and it's the holiday season and I think it's getting to you. Yeah, it is. Oh, see, you hear my voice is getting deeper. I do. I think I'm coming down with a vo- uh, cold. I have like a it's, sexy phlegm voice. Yeah, it's that time of year, I think. I have a sexy phlegm voice. Hello. Erin, hello. hello. Maybe by next week I'll be, you know, you'll think I'll sound like, um, it's like me. Guy, like Ving Rames. We'll yeah, you, you can go, hello, this is Karen G. And I'll go, hello, hello, this is Karen Frazier. Hello. hello. <laughs> yes, because that, I sound exactly like character from <laughs> Ving they're talking about your Where's whistling in chat room, Chuck. It made the top news for the night. Seriously? Yeah. This is what you people come in the chat just to pick up my whistling nose. Yeah, picking, okay, picking so Bob says Chuck like a flute. Patty <laughs> says I heard it. Tom says it must have been your nose then. Bob says thank God he didn't have gas. Oh, next time, buddy. The butt's hitting the mic. That's all I gotta say to you people. That's it. Chili and a show. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> I'm sorry know, I had a whistly nose. I'm sorry I'm sick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you? No, are you coming down with something? You, yes, you I have a cold. Of fluids? You need to take the a, vitamin C. Well, but yeah, but what, what am I going to do? Stick the vitamin C up my schnoz? That's what not going to get rid of zinc. Zinc, zinc lozenges are very good. That's what I'm I just had airborne from. before the show, and, I, and evidently my whistling nose made the media because it's all over chat room, so... <laughs> I you know, unless I shove the thing, unless I shove them in my nose so I don't breathe out of it and you don't hear it, and I have these two airborne stuck in my schnoz. That's okay because Chuck, next you know, for for years <laughs> when I was allergic to everything and I was doing the show, I'm pretty sure my nose whistled the entire time for for years. <laughs> years and next straight, week, yeah, yeah, yeah and years. yeah, about oh. two years. Bob says you can reeky me. I no, can't, can't reeky him. My nose. Can yes, you do that? Yes. It works. Yes. <laughs> no, if I, it works. I've had it done. Mm-hmm. Seriously? Yes. You had like the, the Reiki up your nose? Yes, I can I can sort send of, you yes. some Reiki. <laughs> Karen, you're going to feel the energy. She slides her fingers up my schnoz. Here we go, no, Reiki. Right, right here. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No, and I do that like with my sinuses and stuff. And when Jim is sick, I Reiki wherever he's sick. Oh, that Reiki works, man. That was the best thing ever. I know. Never. Karen did that. I'm like, yeah, this is Reiki. It's not going to work. I don't think. I've never had it done. So I'm like, yeah, it's not going to work. And all of a sudden, like, oh, my God, it worked. Thank you for your eternal faith in me, friend. <laughs> no. Tell me. <laughs> you some first whack time doodle who lies about my magical powers. This is, well, you know me. When I first experience something i want to you know me i'm just mr logical and i, and I was like oh my god it feels warmer oh my god it's only on the one side and all of a sudden oh, i started to hurt and then boom, it was gone i was like oh that was the coolest thing ever so then i just wanted to cut her hand off and take it home with me but you know her husband needs them for but the reiki know, comes through reasons. me if you have my hand it's not gonna matter the <laughs> oh sorry i'm Plus pretty this sure writing, have a whole new problem then chuck this writing stuff would be really difficult if i was missing a hand and monkey would be mad at you because she loves the reiki <laughs> my i just wear like a, a necklace around my thing who's that that's karen's hand i took it with me from oregon it's like the monkey paw yeah <laughs> there's a horrible urge, urban it's legend a- about a monkey paw and what did that it's the Reiki paw. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> My <laughs> not, a whole new legend. not that small. There you go. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, well, now I'm going to be um, wearing really heavy cuff bracelets every time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see Karen. 
Your hand is so lovely. May I see it, please? No. It'll be a, no, what's behind your back? Either. Don't. Oh, it's time, Chuck. It's what? time. It's oh. time. I know. As always, this has been fabulous and fun, and we loved our guest, Don. So, um, and you know, we'll be back one more week. You get to hear us one more week before Christmas. Yeah, got to sing Christmas carols too next week. Oh my gosh! If, if I have a sexy phlegm voice, that's going to be awesome, right? Oh, sweet. <laughs> um, all right. So, thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be back. Next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. in Chicago, and Thank other you. times in other flyover states. Are there you, you happy? Go. Yeah, happy? so happy. I'm going to whistle us out now with my whistly nose okay. and so a nice holiday you. sound. Okay. Listen to Chuck's nose as he whistles us out. <laughs> Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place, or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.